You know, I think uh, where I grew up at and where I was uh, raised is a key part to uh, where I'm at today now, just by seeing different things, playing against different competition and being pushed. So every summer I've been able to use that time to expand and, and grow, not only on the court, but you got to have your mind ready, too, to have the confidence to be able to withstand the season, withstand highs and lows, and be able to keep yourself level-headed at all times. I really try to keep myself in the best form of a stress-free environment. So while I do meditation, I read a lot of books, especially, you know, during season. Uh, I try to limit myself from social media. But I, I, I really try to put myself in a good environment. When stress comes, I'm able to handle it the right way. Welcome to the Larry Zonka episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 39. We couldn't think of any other names or players. Shout out to Jeremy Grant uh, as well, who's also number 39. Um, fresh off a road trip, it's the new year. We're recording right now on a Tuesday, coming off a come-from-behind victory over the Sacramento Kings. We have a very special guest coming up, but before that, we have to do the introductions as always. He's 26 years old. He's on the doorstep of 50, 40, 90. He's shooting 50 from the field, 42 from three, 88 from the line, averaging 21 and eight. And we're going to take it back to his high school years. His high school years, he was Mr. New York basketball in 2010. He was a first team parade All-American. Ended up going to a school in the SEC, being becoming a second team All-SEC member, SEC All-Freshman team, and drafted with the 19th pick in the 2011 draft out of Tennessee by the Charlotte Bobcats, and they traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Without further ado, Tobias Harris, appreciate you coming on the pull-up pod, bro. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on, bro. Yeah, man, I, I wanted to get you on. You're having a great season. Obviously, uh, you're a good person, which is always important. You're from Strong Island. We had Danny Green on last week, another Strong Island member. So let's go back to your childhood a little bit. What was it like growing up in Long Island, and, and when did you kind of develop your your love for basketball? Was it early on, or did it come uh, middle school, high school? When when did your love for basketball really come, and, and you feel like you had a chance to play in the league? Uh, it was early on. I mean, I always loved the game. You know, uh, my father had put me around the game from a young age. Um, but growing up in Long Island was cool. Um, I got the chance to really get get out and and play against a lot of good talent. My father used to always take myself and brothers to the city to play. Uh, it was a tougher competition, and um, by the young age I was playing, but it wasn't until like I really started developing in seventh and eighth grade and into high school where I seen um, a lot of the hard work pay off. And not until about you know eleventh grade where I, where I really had to visions in mind of, of making it and um, putting the work in to get to the league. So, um, you know, I think uh, where I grew up at and where I was uh, raised is a key part to, uh, you know, where I'm at today now, just by seeing different things, playing against different competition and being pushed. Coming from New York, I, I always tell New York players, there's only a few guys I know from New York that can shoot. I tell them, Kimba has a nice jump shot now, Danny Green can shoot and you can shoot. Was shooting a priority for you early on in your, in your life? Was that something that you worked on early on? Because I know you got you always had a mid-range game. Now you're shooting the ball extremely well from three. You always can shoot the three, but now you 40-plus percent consistently coming off picks, shooting, catch and shoot. How important has the jump shot been for your game in, in the transition to the NBA with the, with the way the game has changed? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny because, like, when I was a young kid, I was never, like, the tallest kid. I was kind of... You know, medium height, but uh, chubby, 
So the only thing I, when I was a kid playing, growing up on the circuit, everybody knew me as just the, the, the shooter. You know what I mean? Somebody just spot up. <laughs> and um, like over time, like as I got taller, more athletic, the game changed for me. And then I was considered more of like a slashing type and versatile type player. Um, in college, I shot the three ball, but but not enough. You know, I show people I can I can shoot it. But for me, like I I just made a, a big adjustment when I got into the league. Um, you know, third and fourth year, once I really started seeing seeing minutes, that I that I knew that I needed the three ball in my game to to really prolong my career, and um, I put a lot of effort in a lot of uh, work on it um, and just found a good rhythm. You know, the biggest thing for, for my jump shot that has changed over over the years is, you know, just uh, the height of how much I jump on it. And once I found a good rhythm with that, I just kept rolling and I uh, was able to get the freedom uh, my last, last year in Detroit of being able to shoot the threes at a high volume and, and be able to be okay with some games you know, um, one thing Stan said to me before last season was, look like you got to be willing to go either, you know, six for seven some nights, but also be okay with if bad nights come and you go 0 for seven. That's a confidence you have to have. So once he kind of instilled that in me and I put the work in already for it, it was like a no-brainer that I can I can go do that, you know? Yeah, I see, I see it in your game. You're one of the few players in the league who can score at all three levels. You know, you got a big frame, you can handle the ball, you can post up, you got a floater, you got a pull up, and you can hit three. So uh, you're one of the guys who can fit in. Like we always say, there's, there's certain players who can play in any era. You're one of the guys who could have played in the old school era, and you can play in the new school era with your, with your versatility. Um, coming from the Eastern Conference into the Western Conference, what, what type of changes did you see in the in the in the both the conferences obviously there's always talk about how people will say there's not depth in one conference or there's more depth in the other but obviously each year it changes but this year more specifically there's eight teams with 21 plus wins obviously the Clippers are one of them we're one of the teams with 20 21 plus wins and there's 10 teams at or above 500 so how competitive has the Western Conference been this season and and did it kind of catch you off guard with how teams like Sacramento even the Phoenix Suns are, are more competitive this year and, and can beat you on your home floor? It for sure caught me off guard the minute that I got traded over. So, like, I had been traded from Orlando to Detroit where the situation where pretty much I look like, you know, my first turn from Orlando to Detroit, I was like, you know, I got to help lead this team to the, to the playoffs. And when I got to Detroit, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but there were a lot of, times like during that stretch where we had a lot of games where we actually could make some mistakes like um my you know we went on a couple of losing streaks but still were able to fight for that AC and then come last year when I get traded over here it was like no margin of error you know what I'm saying so the minute that like you know you were caught slipping another team was just fighting like last year was uh one of the most competitive like in the years for the eighth spot and um, coming into this year too, just seeing how competitive the West is. You got teams just, you know, any, any given night, especially in the West coast, a team can, can surprise you. You have a lot of teams that are up and coming now with a lot of young players that, that are finding their, finding their own. And it's just been, um, it's tough. Like, you know, you lose, you win one game, you could be in fourth, you lose, you lose two, 
you could really be in like eighth to ninth place. So it's kind of crazy, you know. I know exactly what you mean. We we win two games in a row, lose two games in a row. We can go from fifth place to ninth place. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And like, trust me, I see you guys. I'm like, dang, y'all, y'all catching, y'all catching your rhythm now too. And then, like, a lot, you know, I think everybody in the league right now is kind of going through um, some ups and downs. And like, you know, I I really believe after All Star break is when the margin of error is going to be really, really slim. Like it is going to be to the point where if you lose one game, you know, you're going to be looking at yourself like, dang, I don't know if we're going to make the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's very true. Doesn't that help though, fellas? Like, doesn't it help you lock in the fact that there is more competition being in the West and the fact that you can lose one or two and drop three or four spots. You can drop out of the playoffs. If you're a six seed, like how does that help you lock in every night? Man, you know, it, it's kind of like when you grow up, you envision playing this game, you envision playing in the league. It's it's what, like, really great basketball players are excited to do. And uh, you want to be pushed every single night to your highest level uh, to to maximize your own game, your own potential. And, um, you know, for me, I, I like to embrace that challenge because it just makes you better at the end of the day. And, like, you know, when you, when you come into the league, yeah, I tell a lot. Of, I tell a lot of the young guys here because I came into the league and I've been in different situations where this wasn't the case, and um, you know you kind of get you kind of get lost in it because when you actually are in a situation where you have to play real winning basketball and every game matters, that's when it that's when it counts. And so for me, that's that's what I love about it is just being able to be able to really see um, the growth of it. And, and just see our team develop and be ready every single night for, you know, another team's best. Tobias, you know, you it feels like you've been in the league a while, but you're only 26. CJ is the grizzled veteran here at 27. I'm ancient at 32, but <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't been in the league that long, and yet we've seen this growth from you every season. Um, have Like, are you taking an approach every summer of, I want to add one thing to my game, or it's more overall, like how do you approach your summer of getting better when you know you want to keep adding different elements? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, well, every every summer, every offseason, I look at it as a time to to maximize like three months of really like deep hard work and um, development on just things that, you know, first I look on personal, my personal self and areas where on the in the system that I'm in, on the team that I'm in, ways that I can develop and, and improve to help our team. And then I look at the game in general, the the NBA game, the direction that it goes in, because, you know, honestly, the game changes pretty much yeah. you know, every two or three years. It kind of changes in, in a different type of way. So I look at all those things and, and in different ways to improve on that. And, um, you know, I take those three months that I have, three and a half months to really, really expand my game and, and, and um, you know, first get in the best of shape too. But I look at that time to really develop. So every summer that I've been into, I've been able to use that time to expand and, and grow. And I just, you know, I grow not only on the court, but you got to have your mind ready too to have the confidence to be able to withstand the season, withstand highs and lows, and, and be able to um, keep yourself level-headed at all times. So I really uh, – you know, that's one of the biggest things in the areas of growth for myself with just the task of being able 
um, to, to have trust from teammates and coaches to be able to have a bigger role each and every year has been just a blessing for me too. You talked about the mental aspect of the game and, and how important that is. I think a lot of times kids and, and the casual fan doesn't understand uh, how important it is to be mentally strong and stable with this season and what we go through as athletes, whether that be trades, injuries, performance, family stuff. There's always something going on in our lives, and I think the mental aspect is kind of what gets lost. But you've you been traded two times uh, within the same conference and then to the uh, to the Western Conference. Um, you've received an extension on multiple occasions. You're playing well. What type of things do you do from a mental standpoint? Is it is it reading books? Is it meditation? Is it hot yoga? What type of things are you doing to kind of stay focused mentally and to, to stay locked in, understanding that there's a lot at stake every time we step on the court, especially during contract years? And then there's a lot at stake from a performance standpoint because we always want to play well. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, you hit it right on the head. It's, uh, it's just always so much for any given NBA player, any given athlete, you know. Um, but things that I, I do is I kind of like, I really try to keep myself in the in the best form of like a stress-free environment. So, um, you know, I, I do meditation. Uh, I read I read a lot of books, especially, you know, during season. Um, and then I, you know, like in the summer, just being able to work out and get better. I remember there was a point in the summer where I was playing Fortnite all the time and video games, and I wasn't getting no dubs on Fortnite anyway. And I said, you know what, I'm about to stop playing this, and I'm really about to educate myself and and get myself mentally ready for what's about to come in in the next season. So I started reading a lot of mental books and uh, a lot of books just on history and and things to expand myself and and keep myself ready. And um, those are things that I do. You know, I try to... uh, get as much rest as I can. Um, I watch TV, Netflix, regular shows, et cetera. But I, I, I really try to put myself in, in a, in a good environment where, where, when, uh, when stress comes, I'm able to handle it in the right way. Uh, I try to limit myself from social media. One thing I said about this, the new year coming up is I was going to kind of avoid social media just because it, it can create a distraction. You, you, you get caught up just reading and, and, um, seeing what people have to say, et cetera. So for myself, I just like to keep it on a, a, a even keel level. So, you know, you're able to, when, when things happen, you're able to face it, but also you're able to really enjoy the moment and embrace it too. No, I think that's dope. And I think that's important that a lot of athletes and, and people in general who have high stress, high level jobs, uh, there's, there's ways to to manage the stress, there's ways to manage the, the tension that we have off the court and even on the court. And I think that for me, I, a hot yoga is definitely something I, I take part in. Meditation, you know, finding apps to kind of soothe the mind, listening to a lot of brain power music to where it's just mm-hmm. certain types of instruments and, and rhythms and beats to where it's supposedly good for the brain. And I kind of feel a difference in my level of focus and how I concentrate heading into a game. You, you said you'd read a lot of books. What, what books have you read lately? What's the last book you read or do you recommend any books that I can kind of add to my, to my arsenal? Cause I like to read as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I had just finished a book on, um, it's by a, a, a Navy SEAL, uh, it's extreme ownership. Um, and that was one that I read before the season and, and into the season really. And it was just kind of about like as an individual, as a leader, just always taking ownership of, of whatever's going on. And to, that's kind of how you 
go about leading the pack is looking at yourself, taking ownership of the situation, so you're able to evaluate it and, and others are able to see you take take ownership. Um, I read this, uh, another book that I had was Blood Brothers, and that's about uh, Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X and their friendship. Uh, so those are like kind of the two that I, I have finished up and read on. And then, um, you know, my, I got my man, uh, Gary V sent me uh, his book, Crushing It, that I'm, I'm, I'm getting into. So I got a list of books that I'm reading that I'm, um, I usually read one at a time, but, uh, I got, I got like four books for Christmas. So I'm still, I'm still on the, I, I gotta, I, I gotta get, get myself even more time to be reading these books now. Oh, that's dope. I'll add, I'll definitely add the Muhammad Ali book and the Navy SEAL uh, book to the arsenal. I'm putting those in my notes. Yeah, that was a real good one. We didn't discuss Shani Fry. Shani Fry is your cousin. Mm-hmm. He's been in the league for a while. Did he kind of help with your transition coming into the league? Did he kind of give you an idea of like what it was going to be like, you know, once you got here? How has that relationship kind of impacted your your playing career? Because Shani is a funny dude, man. He's got a great sense of humor, but he's also a really good guy. Yeah, John's hilarious. Um, but, like, when when I first, uh, you know, I grew up, like, watching Chan in Arizona, um, seeing his development, seeing um, the work that he put in, and kind of the niche that he had in the league. That's why he's able to still be around to this day, you know. Um, and then just the professionalism of him, of always working, getting better, and just being able to, um, you know, embrace. I, I played with Chan, too, in Orlando. So we had a great time there together. But uh, a lot of things I learned about him, honestly, you know, the biggest thing is just, uh, you know, not to put too much pressure on yourself or on, on the game and just and just play and have fun. Like, that's one thing that I really learned from him in Orlando where it's, it's funny because when we were in Orlando, I was like, you know, new to the scene of playing and, and having a role. And I was taking it super serious because, like, you know, I don't want to get traded again. I want to be in a situation that I can eventually call, you know, home. But, um, you know, he just always was like, man, you're always so uptight. Like, just relax, just chill, just have fun. And he would tell the whole team that because we had a bunch of young guys who were just fighting for the fighting for the same same type of thing. So, uh, but when I was coming up in high school, he was always giving me pointers and tips. Uh, he watch some of my college games, let me know, you know, what he thinks, what what I should do, and just the way the game is going. He has a great knowledge for the game of basketball and uh, for the way it, for the way it should be played too. So there's always like little things that I would learn from him just being by being around him. Tobias, now that you're fully settled into LA, that Southern California lifestyle, you're able to achieve all that balance now that we're talking about of you know, on-court success and then also enjoying yourself off the floor. But you have this huge metropolis and just kind of give us a sense of how you're at peace with your new franchise, your new city, your new teammates. Yeah, I think um, I'm always going to be at peace off the floor, honestly, just because, like, I know what I what I have passions for. I know what I what I care about. I know, like, what, what I what I am. Um, you know, do with my free time, et cetera. It's, it's obviously cool to be in L.A. and be able to enjoy nice weather. Like today, went out on a hike, which was super cool. Like, you know, off-day type thing that you, know, you don't get to do in 
a lot of other cold places. You know, I don't know if CJ's able to do that in Portland, but CJ likes to. CJ's a good hiker, right? See, uh, I don't really do those types of outdoor activities, <laughs> honestly. But right, <laughs> right now it's, it's too cold. It's too cold to be hiking. Our mountains got snow on them. We don't have those LA mountains. It's it's real. <laughs> it's real out here on our, a lot of these mountains, and you got to really be prepared to hike in in some some interesting environments if you go this time of year. CJ only hikes the wineries. I feel you on that. But like I went, you know, but you know, I, that was like one thing I, I I just went out and did today, and I was like, I was like, damn, that was cool, you know. But um, yeah, the the city here, the market here is is great, obviously, and um, you know, like God put you in put you in different positions to prepare you and get ready, and I feel like this is for me one of those positions where, you know, you see the development year to year. And then this is a perfect opportunity and situation to be in to show, you know, pretty much everybody, you know, what I'm about and what I can do. So, you know, I've just been blessed to be able to be in, in this type of situation. Yeah, I think you're showing that. You're shooting the, the best field goal percentage of your career. You're averaging 21 a game. Um, you're playing well. You guys are defending. You guys have 20-plus wins and are in that in position to potentially make the playoffs again this season. Did you come up with any New Year's resolutions for January? Are you a guy who believes in those types of superstitions or do you just try to keep everything consistent outside of uh, staying away from social media? Yeah, I just try to honestly keep everything um, keep everything in line of the way it is. Uh, usually my New Year's resolutions is pretty much kind of like my coming into the season resolutions type thing and like what I have in mind for that. Um Certain areas I want to get better at in my own life, spiritually, and things like that. That's, that was something that I wanted to go into the New Year's with. So, you know, that would be pretty much the only thing there. How has your relationship evolved with, with, with Boban? Uh, we have to talk about the Bobby and, and, and Toby show. That was my <laughs> question. That was <laughs> my you. question. Well, you know, we were together in Detroit. And you know, when I first met him, he come up to me and he was like, out of nowhere, he's like, I, I really don't like you. Like, from when I was on my other teams, I didn't like you. I think I think you're very cocky. Right? So I was like, dang. It's the first time I'm meeting this guy. So he tells me. <laughs> I was like, dang. I was like, well, I hope we could be friends. He's like, yeah, okay. I was like, who is this dude? You know what I'm saying? I was like, that's how I'm thinking when I see him tell me that. <laughs> but uh, then, like, eventually we started. We were always in a way of lifting. You know, Boban, he works harder than anybody. So he's always just in the gym. And um, so we was lifting. And uh, we would, we had a pretty close team in Detroit. So we had, always had guys who go out to dinner together. And he he would always be there at me. And we just kicked it off. We, we had a lot of fun together. Everybody loves Boban. You know, anybody on the team that's around him, you know, everybody just, he has a great personality. And then when we got traded here, um, it kind of just expanded because, you know, it was me, him, Avery, and then together, Avery had got hurt, and it's pretty much like me and Boban in a new situation. So, like, I, we're in the hotel, we're staying at the whole same hotel. We just so it was like, you want to go eat dinner? All right, come on, let's go. Like, you know, and I just teach him some culture. You know what I'm saying? Right. And he loves it. Like, he loves learning about new artists new songs and new dances. So 
I just tried to show him all this stuff. And then we eventually decided to do the, the Bobby and Toby show. And it was a big hit for everybody. So we had fun doing that. It was cool. Wow. That's great. You, you know, he's averaging career high in field goal percentage points, rebounds, blocks. I don't think people knew how good he was. Like, like Boban can play. So you, you always knew that, right? And it was just a matter of opportunity, right? Yeah. For him, it was just a matter of opportunity. I mean, you just can't game plan for somebody like him. And then he, he just really is like a cheat code out there. Yeah. That's what I call him. That's what we as a team call him the cheat code because he's just too big. No, that's true. He's <laughs> He's got skill. He's got touch. And it's it's crazy that he's that big and coordinated, able to move, can pass, got a little jump hook. It's just it's crazy how he's just that big and, and actually has skill, like real skill. That translates. Yeah, like when we were in Detroit, I would I would see it the most in the practices, and um, it was tough because we had you know Andre out there. He played he played a lot, and then uh, when we got over to L.A., it was an opportunity last year where he got to play, and he just flourished in those minutes and and just showed everybody what he can do. And then now he's getting his his chances and role here, so it's been uh it's been good and he. He loves L.A. himself, so he's he's having a fun time. I think my favorite episode uh, was when you guys were in that spin class, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he he was first. I seen on Instagram like a while ago when you guys tried to go in the summertime, they didn't have shoes that fit. So I was like, wonder where he got these shoes from to actually fit on these bikes. And I just pictured like all the women in that spin class, just the soul cycle class, just so confused as to like how he's able to ride the bike and just his personality and intense humor throughout the whole thing was just great. It was, it was a, it was a funny episode. Yeah. There was, there was so many other scenes in, in that whole thing we had that were hilarious, but we couldn't put them out there just because we didn't want him getting in trouble with cussing or whatever. But it was, we had, that was like when we were filming all that stuff, that was like one of the most, that was the funniest day. Like, that I had being around him, and he just walking around. He's like, I'm a movie star. I'm like, yeah, you got it, boss. You're the movie star. He's like, I know I'm the movie star. I'm like, okay. See, that was great, but the dinosaurs, the dinosaurs was was legendary. Oh, out in Hawaii, yeah, that was that was cool. <laughs> that was my first time being on those like RV things. So at first, I was like, man, what are we doing? It's like training camp, but. Once we started, I was like, oh, shoot, this is, this was actually dope. It was fun. CJ, how about you? We got to get you and like, like, who's the funniest big? Like, Nurk? I mean, you and Nurk could do something like that. <laughs> Nurk got a great sense of humor, but I think ET's the funniest player I've ever played with. Like, his personality is unbelievable. He is, <laughs> he is unlike anyone you ever come in contact with, man. Just like <laughs> the way he comes up with jokes and then how serious he is, but like, He's just quite frank and, and super blunt, man. He's just a just a funny dude. So I would say that if if Nurk and E. T. did a TV show, it would be hilarious because obviously you got Nurk coming straight from Bosnia, but he he has our slang down, like he has a lot of our wording down and understands it. Right. So so it would be funny just when people see like, yo, Nurk is really one of us. Yeah, I need to start it up then. <laughs> man, man, you never know, man. Anything is possible. We'll have to I don't know if we can top the the, the Bobby and Toby, but there you go. we can hey, try. We're, we're going to wait and see this one. 
<laughs> I'll keep you posted, man. I might be calling for some for some help and advice. But <laughs> Tobias, Gary V, I didn't know that was your guy. He's a he's a good buddy of mine. Shout out to Gary V. He's gonna come on the pod soon. Oh yeah. He's one of the he's one of the realest guys out there. So I, I'm I'm glad we had that in common. Y'all definitely need him to come on the pod for sure. That would be funny. He's trying to buy the Jets. He is, huh? I knew he was trying to buy it. I didn't know if he was I knew he was like serious about it. But I didn't know he was really, really serious. So he really is, huh? He really is. He told me. He told me this summer. He's like, yo, I don't, I don't need a jet. I don't need a hotel. I just need the jets. I don't need a private plane. I don't need anything else. I want the jets. That's why I work so hard. He loves the jets, man. I don't, <laughs> honestly, I don't know why, but he loves the jets. Me neither. He's a New York guy, man. Those those New York Jersey guys, they love they love the hometowns. They love the hometown sports programs and sports teams. He's a New York guy, too. He just don't want to admit it. <laughs> I'm from Ohio, man. It's a Midwest swing, man. But New York has always treated me well. There you go. So, Bias, you you grew up a Giant fan? No, honestly, I, my, I didn't really grow up watching football like that. Because I remember one time I had asked my father, I said, uh, I'm, I'm going to go play football. And he was like, no, you're not. And I was like, why? He was like, you ain't playing football. You're playing basketball. And I was like, dang. <laughs> All right, fine. So I just never really had like a, I never had a reason to follow football. Like I just follow basketball. So like to this day, people are like, what are you, a Giants fan, a Jets fan? I'm like, not really. Like I respect it, but I'm just not, not a New York team fan when it comes to football, unfortunately. You ain't missing out on much, man. You can join the Browns bandwagon, man. We got room, man. <laughs> it's filling up fast, though. <laughs> But, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on, man. I'm going to let you enjoy the rest of your day. Keep doing your thing, man. I For wish sure. you nothing but success against everybody but us. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you play well against us, but we but we beat y'all every time. Yeah. All right, bro. <laughs> thanks for having me on, man. Thanks, thanks, Tobias. All right, bro. All right, peace. Once again, we want to thank our special guest, Tobias Harris, for calling into the pull-up pod and pulling up on us one time, man. He's having a great season. He's playing well, enjoying himself out in L.A. and doing a lot of great things with uh, the Bobby and Toby show. So shout-out to him. But before we finish up this episode of the pod, I want to announce the final group of winners for our holiday trivia contest. I appreciate you guys all participating and girls. Uh, we hope you enjoy your leaning swag. The winners for the final giveaway are Adikel Ande. I hope I said that right. At A underscore square squared 97. James Langdon at James Langdon 97. I also appreciate appreciate you guys. Seth Atkinson at Seth underscore Mowgli, M-O-W-G-L-I, great name. Gavin at G Hills, appreciate you as well. Mike Falzerano, that was great, great pronunciation, at Mike Falls 88. And last but not least, Shauna at Barkett 1221. We'll be in touch to get you guys your info. Once again, we appreciate you listening to the Pull Up Pod and participating in our holiday trivia contest. Now, we must discuss the NFL. Obviously, college football is wrapping up. Uh, my money is on Clemson plus six uh, with, with the uh, spread and the way things are going right now. I think that Alabama has the capabilities and team to win, but I think Clemson's defense is a little bit better than Oklahoma's and should be able to keep the game close. 
Turning the page to the NFL, there are a lot of favorites uh, for this Super Bowl run. Obviously, the Patriots being some of the front runners. Sleepers, according to Matt, are the Chargers. I like the Ravens as a sleeper coming out of the AFC North since my Browns are no longer alive. You got to look for another team to, to be dominant and contribute. Jordan, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Well, my preseason pick was the Saints, but uh, I got to tell you, I am I'm concerned about them. I I, I know that they're great in the Dome and that they they won their Super Bowl in the Dome in, in 09 with Drew Brees, and, and obviously they had that that home field advantage like they do this year. But um, I'm quite concerned, and, and I'm, I'm still of the belief that the Rams have the most juice on both sides of the ball. So I will go with the Rams. I know they've struggled a little bit of late, but I will stick in the NFC with the Rams. How about you? I think the Rams is a great pick. Uh, looking at the... Depth of the NFL right now, potential matchups. I like the Chiefs. I think that they have an explosive offense. They got a pretty good defense. And with Mahomes' ability to to scramble, to make passes on the run, and play action passing that they have available to them, I think that they have a as good a shot as anyone to win it. And then my other pick would probably be... The Ravens. The Ravens, yeah. No. I think the Ravens' defense is unbelievable. If, if Lamar Jackson can keep them afloat offensively, the Ravens' defense is unlike anything we've seen. Like they, They're mean. They got secondary. They got a pass rush. Uh, they got linebackers. Uh, they, they, they pose a lot of problems. And Lamar Jackson's ability to, to run that read option and make runs and throws on the run and on the move make them a hard out. And if they can beat my Browns, they can beat anybody. Okay, how about this then? Do you have more confidence – and the Patriots, and the Patriots reaching the Super Bowl, or do you have more confidence that the Patriots would lose in the first round? In other words, what's more likely to happen? Who, who are the Patriots playing in the first round? I haven't even seen the matchups. Uh, I believe they would play Baltimore, but I, I will ver- verify that. But so you 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 don't necessarily have a ton of faith in Brady. But you have some. You're not worried about Kareem Hunt in Kansas City. I think You're not worried about that because they have not been the same team. Yeah, I mean they haven't been the same team. But playing at home, getting behind that crowd, offensively they're as good as anybody. Uh, even without Kareem Hunt, they're still very good. I think that they have a shot. The Saints are good. The Rams are good. Chicago Bears. There's a lot of very good teams out here. I think it just depends on who gets hot at the right time, and I think home field will play a factor. So with home field, I think the Patriots definitely get out of the, get out of the second round. Okay, so why don't we stay in the AFC, a non-playoff team but a threatening team, the Cleveland Browns. Um, who do you want as the next head coach? I think that you have to take a look at McCarthy. Uh, from the from the Packers, you have to take a look at him. Yep. Uh, at least sit down with him and see what's going on, and figure out how he thinks he can help the franchise. And if you hire outside the organization, I think you go with him. If you hire within, I think you keep what we have in place. The offense was rolling. The play calling was terrific. Uh, he was he was what five and three as the head coach as the Greg active Williams? head coach. He was terrific. Uh, yeah, the, give, him, give him credit. Once, he once was... the firing of Hugh Jackson happened, I... so you want to keep you want to keep Freddie Kitchens. Working with Baker, you feel great about that? I like the the continuity we have in place. Obviously, some things could change this summer uh, with some free agency movement. The Steelers obviously aren't sure what they're going to, what's going to happen with their running back. They probably aren't sure what they should what they should or shouldn't do with Antonio Brown. So um, it's going to be a very intriguing summer for everybody involved. So okay, we've talked a lot about Le'Veon on the pod. What are your thoughts on Antonio Brown? Obviously. 
Well, uh, Ryan Clark is an ESPN analyst, and he played with Antonio, and he shared a personal story that Antonio clearly did not like, and I think he has every right to be upset, although Ryan Clark is an analyst now. He's not a teammate anymore, so you, you can understand both sides. But he follows the Niners, for example, on Instagram. He unfollows the Steelers. This seems like a volatile situation and one that is getting worse. What would you do if you're the Steelers? He followed the Niners. He followed the he Niners. Followed the Niners. The Steelers. He followed the Niners. Yes. <laughs> that is actually hilarious and, and so petty, but I love it. I think that uh, his message is being spread and heard loud and clear. I'm not sure what's going to happen with that situation because he has a $20 million cap hit, whether he plays or whether they trade him. So I would imagine that they're going to keep him because that's a guaranteed 100 receptions and 1,000 yards and at least 10 touchdowns. So they have an interesting scenario and dilemma on their hands in terms of figuring out uh, what they're going to do with the receiving core. Obviously, yeah. James Conner is a very good running back, but – they can't lose Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. I don't think, that, I don't think that's a great idea. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think um, what's interesting is, like, Juju had an all-pro caliber year, and it's just his second season. So, he, you know, it's not like he can't be a number one guy, but to lose Brown and Bell would be uh, borderline catastrophic. Do, do you feel like, uh, like, like you sympathize for Brown when a former teammate says that, or do you understand it? I didn't hear the story that was said about him, but it's obvious there's some bad blood between them because cer- certain situations and scenarios aren't shared, whether you're an analyst right. or not. You kind of keep those in private depending on the relationship and friendship you have with the player. But it's obvious that they're not really friends because if they were, he probably wouldn't have shared the story if it was right. uh, hurtful or going to paint him in a negative light. Well, that just tells me that down the road, um, you know, five, ten years, I'll, I will – Probably be telling insider pull-up stories. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they'll all be appropriate and paint me in the best of lights. But it's going to be a nice playoff run to watch. Uh, are, are you suggesting that Alabama is going to win it all? Are no, you I, are you sold on Alabama winning it all? I'm with you on Clemson. I, I like Clemson. I think they have everything you'd want. I love the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Dabo Sweeney has beaten Nick Saban in this game before. Uh, so I like Clemson. I think... I think it's unfortunate that we keep getting the same game, but these two teams are so much better than everybody else. You know, like Notre Dame rolled all year, basically, uh, and they got destroyed. That's true. And in Oklahoma, you know, I, I know they made a game of it in theory on the scoreboard, but there was a difference. You, you could see. So, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see this game. So, wait, you have, you have Clemson plus the points or you have Clemson winning? I like Clemson with the points, but I also think they have a chance to win it. But if I was a betting man, I would say take the points. And if you were a betting man, would you say, would you bet that that the Browns, yes, they're going to keep Kitchens, but would you think they're going to keep Greg Williams or are they going to go in a different direction? I think that they're going to keep him. I'm not sure if he'll be the head coach, but they might. They may. He was he was the active head coach and offensive coordinator, right? Uh, no, I he think, was calling the plays. Uh, he Who was calling the called, plays? No, I, I I thought it was Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, I think Freddie Kitchens was calling the plays. I think that I don't think they're going to get rid of the entire staff. I think they're going to keep some staff, even if they do hire out. Yeah, because you no, know, yeah, Kitchens was calling the plays. He was the quarterbacks coach, um, or the running backs coach. I'm sorry, and he he had like the magic touch with Baker. I mean, I I, I don't want to just you know hammer Hugh all day, but you know, he was a completely different player. With Kitchens um, and with Greg Williams at the helm, for that matter. So, I, I give I give that whole staff a lot of credit. I mean, they 
Like they almost made the playoffs, CJ. They they almost made the playoffs. So that means next year we can expect ten and six and uh, maybe a divisional round game. Ten and six is aggressive. Um, but I think that it's possible. We did trick off a lot of games this season. We could have easily won nine or ten games. But that's what separates the great teams from the average teams. Field goal, being able to have the proper special teams, making field goals, protecting the ball, holding leads. Those are all things that we struggle with this season. But we'll get better and have some growth. I'd say we'll be in that seven to nine win range again next season uh, because there's always some things that happen that are unforeseen. And uh, the scheduling, looking at the schedule, we definitely have – eight winnable games, but you don't always win the games you're supposed to. Right, right. Before we wrap it up, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you about your New Year's and your Christmas. You had a fantastic 35-point outing on 18 shots. Wow. Against the Sixers. So obviously you feel locked in with 2019, but how was New Year's? It was good? Yeah, New Year's was good, man. It was just another day of, you know, enjoying a a nice dinner with – with wifey, uh, some teammates, and their significant others, uh, we had a, we had a, a good time, uh, three course meal, um, uh, with wine pairings, which we'll get into in a bit. But it was nice, man. It was just nice to to kind of relax, unwind a little bit, and uh, turn the page on one year and, and look forward to the next. And the next day, it was a historic night for Nurk. Uh, Nurk had some great wine with us as well, and he put up twenty points. 20-plus points, 20-plus rebounds, 5-plus assists, 5-plus box, 5-plus steals. First time it's happened since 1983-1984 season. First time in Trailblazer history someone's put up 2020 with essentially 5-plus in all the categories. Man, that that's uh, a great way to start the new year. Big fellow's been eating. He's having a terrific season, and uh, we're happy to have him on our side and looking forward to continuing to build with him. How was your New Year's and Christmas? Uh, how was your New Year's? It was great, bro. It wasn't as good as the Bosnian Beast uh, or CJ's uh, 35 fun outing. But, uh, no, it was great. Family, good food, good wine. We, did, we didn't do wine this week, but I got some winners for you, my man. So I'm excited to uh, delve into that next week. Oh, no, man. We have to do it now, man. Cue the wine music, man. Cue the wine music. I've enjoyed a lot of wine these last few weeks, uh, being without the pull-up pod. And I've had a variety I want to start with the Frank Family Cab out of Napa 2015, uh, priced at about 52 bucks. Um, it was very good. I think it's a great, great value for the money you spend on it, and I think that similar wines, according to the app, usually cost about two times as much. It's among the top one wine percent. Uh, it's, it's among the top one percent of wines in the world, and it's featured in the best wines between 40 and 80 dollars. It was extremely bold a bit on the dry side and towards the acidic side, but there was some oak chocolate vanilla with a little bit of cherry and raspberry taste to it. I enjoyed it a lot, and uh, it was also one of the table favorites and Myers Leonard's favorite wine. So if you're looking for his favorite wine, you have that. And before we played the Golden State Warriors, I had a dinner with one of my homies out in the Bay Area along with Nurk. And we had what's considered the Ferrari Pinot Noir, according to the server in the Psalm. It was a Costa Brown from the uh, Russian River Valley. It was a 2012 Pinot. We also have the 2015. I think it's very tasty. It's a little on the expensive side, but the critics rated a 92 out of 100 on Wine Spectator. And uh, it was the winner of the 2017 Wine Style Awards for California Pinots. So it's considered the best Pinot. 
in California. I really like that one. It was smooth, a bit on the dry side, and more towards the bold as opposed to the light. But the taste was berry-like with a little bit of cola, oak, and vanilla. Wow. And I loved it. Well, Costa Brown's on my list. You are in prime company there. That is big-time wine. So love that you had that. Um, okay, so for me... Number one, this was a special 2019 New Year's wine. Opus One, absolutely incredible. Lived up to the hype. I think it was a 2015. It's a cab. Incredible stuff. Just like, wow. I mean, you, you drink that and you say, okay, I know why this is so much money. Okay, but I also had a Faya, F-A-I-L-L-A, Willamette Valley Pinot. They also are in California, but I have the Oregon Pinot in honor of you and the Blazers. And uh, it was under 40 bucks. It was very good. And uh, that was that was probably one of the bigger surprises for me because, um, you know, I haven't had a lot of Oregon Pinot, but uh, this one was was wonderful. So there you go. That's good, man. We'll have to add those to the list. I definitely have some Opus in the cellar that I got. I'll have to crack open in your honor, man, and I'll have to bring one to the crib when I come uh, out there to New York this summer. But... That was awesome, man. I love I love learning about uh, different wines and, and seeing what people are drinking. LeBron also was blessed with a nice care package from Beats by Dre. I had to screenshot uh, the the case they sent him because he had some heavy hitters in there that I'll have to add to my cellar as well. But wow, that was awesome, man. Looking forward to a new year, man. Wishing you nothing but health, wealth, and happiness along the way, and some wisdom as always. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com backslash Pull Up with CJ or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to pull up, pull up, 